I don't know about you, but I, uh, I watch a little bit of television. I love James Corden. Does anyone know James Corden? Have you heard of James Corden? He does this thing. He's, a, he's a, a, an Englishman who's now in America. And he does this thing called carpool karaoke. And carpool karaoke is he picks up somebody that's usually well-known and gets them in the car, and uh, they're normally singers, and this, they drive around and they go back to their beginnings. They go back to where they first started out. And as they're driving around, he plays their songs in the car and they sing together. And I watched one episode and they had Paul McCartney from The Beatles. If you don't know who Paul McCartney of The Beatles are, then you need to learn a little bit about music. But um, he had Paul McCartney and they went back to Liverpool and they were driving around and Paul McCartney was reminiscing on the early days um, when he was growing up and learning about music and when the Beatles first started. And, uh, and I really love that, I don't know about you, but I love reflecting back and thinking back. And around about this same time, which was about two years ago when I first saw this, I, um, my dad and my uncle... Um, amazing guys and they always have been very competitive and they grew up obviously in Victoria and I said to them I want to take you both on a drive one day and take you back to Yarraville which most of you will not know some of you who are from Victoria may be aware and I want to drive around I want you to show me where you grew up show me about your life and so around two years ago my dad who was then 83 and my uncle who was a little younger um, we, I put him in the car and we drove um, a couple of hours, about an hour and a half to Yarraville. And we went back to the old stomping ground where they grew up. And there's going to be a couple of photos that you'll see about uh, my dad and my uncle outside of the house that they grew up in, in Castle Main Street. It was still there, believe it or not. I had a lot of fun stirring them up about how old they were and saying, there's no way that house is going to be there. Well, it was. And so they, they you know, they sort of boldly went up and knocked at the door. I think they were expecting that they'd just be invited in for a cup of tea. Nobody was home. They would have loved to have walked through the home. But uh, they went back to their own, own house and old house and had a look around. And then we drove around. They were both very sporting. And we drove around to cricket grounds and drove around to different places. And they were reflecting. And, and I was so blessed to listen to the conversations and the banter about their upbringing and the stories of the past that they went through. It was such a blessing for me. And I also heard some of the difficult times as, as we were driving around. Times of challenge. You see, my, my dad's dad, my grandfather, wasn't around very much. He was an alcoholic. And so their mum, and they had four bro- there were four brothers, they all lived in a two-bedroom home. And my dad actually brought up his younger brother himself. So I was hearing some of the tough stories as well. And we walked around the streets where they grew up and walked over the cricket grounds. We actually walked into the cricket ground that they played cricket as juniors and we walked up to the club rooms. It was a Friday and I don't know why they thought the door would be open, but sure enough, it was. The cleaner was in there. So we walked in and we walked around and they walked up to this old um, board of, of award winners and sure enough, both my dad and my uncle's names were on the ward. And because that, you should have seen them then. You know, you could, just couldn't shut them up. They were look, bragging about who was the best player. And it was just a great day that we spent looking back. And I got to hear some of the history. And it was important and it was special to recognise and to celebrate their past, their heritage, where they'd grown up together. And it was a great day for me to hear about that as well as for them to work through that whole heritage of the past. But how many know that we couldn't stay there? How many know that we couldn't just stay in those club rooms or stay there? There was a life still to be lived, a life to move forward. Even though this was where the foundations were laid, this is where lots of lessons were learnt, 
We can't stay there. It's great to reflect. It's great to glance back into the past. But you can't live in the past. We must move forward into the next season of life, whatever that looks like. And they've done that. They've moved forward and my dad loves his bowls now and they've got a great unit that they live in in another area. My, my uncle plays the drums and still plays the, the drums to this day and they've got other interests and they've moved forward with their life and they've now got grandkids and they're sowing into their grandkids and life looks a little different. They are still who they are, but life looks a little different because they continue to look forward. My dad even knows how to use technology. In fact, right now, he's probably got his iPad out and he's probably watching us on his iPad, believe it or not. It's taken him a while to learn, but he's doing okay. You see, for all of us, our history, our heritage is so important and it is important to glance back. God wants us to know about our history personally in our own lives. He wants us to know about our history in our faith journey. He wants us to know our history around our church, but to embrace and the impact and the, of the present and the future is so important that we don't stay in the past, but we look to move forward. Today marks the celebration. Restrictions have been relieved, and after 22 weeks of experiencing humorage at home, we're now here together, many of us. Some of you are still at home, and I know it'll take you a few weeks to get comfortable to be able to come back but people are starting to come back into the buildings. We will continue to be online, and so you'll be able to engage with the services online. But it is great to have people back into the building, as well as the online presence. Today also marks the close of ministry here at Humage for Kaz and I. And so, yes, it is important to reflect and to celebrate. It's important to, to look back at, for us, the last 20, 21 months here. And we've been doing that over the last few weeks, reflecting back on how God has moved and how God has touched lives um, in our ministry and through our ministry and in, in some ways sometimes even in spite of our ministry. But God has been moving. But we do all need to look forward with a vision for the future. How many know we can't continue to live in the past? Vision. It's an interesting word, isn't it? A vision is about looking forward. And we have a vision for this church. You see, vision is the ability to see where we've been, but then more importantly, to look at where we're headed. True vision is looking forward. The scriptures talk about vision. In fact, the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures talk about when there isn't a vision. And in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, the, the writer writes, without a vision, without a revelation, people do what? They perish. Or the New Living Translation says the people will run wild or cast off restraint. Or the Message Version says the people will stumble over themselves. You see, without a vision, without a way forward, we, we, tend, to, we tend to not know what's happening. Vision brings clarity and vision is powerful. And no matter what happens, we need to hold on for the vision that God's given us personally and as a church moving forward. And God's done that for this church, for this new season. God gave the eldership, the board of elders and the ministry team and Kaz and I collectively together as we all sought him 20 months ago, a vision, a bold vision for the future. And that's not reliant on one person. That's not reliant on a couple. That's not reliant on, on a certain group of people. That's a call of God for the church, for all of us to move forward despite what the future looks like. We have a vision. And that beautiful vision that God's given us at Hume Ridge is that we're to be a people in passionate pursuit of Jesus. That's what we're called to be about, to be in passionate pursuit of Jesus. That's the vision for this church. And each of us here, 
We're here because God is bringing us on the journey of transforming our lives in some way. And he's using relationships with one another. And he's using ministry. And he's using community. And he's using the teaching here at Hume Ridge. And he's using so many different ways to take us on the journey by his Holy Spirit to be people, individuals, and a church that are passionately pursuing, passionately going after the things of God. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to continue to transform our hearts. He wants to continue to transform our lives. He wants to continue to take us forward on the journey so that the bride, his church, can be all he's created us to be as we enter into the future. God's moved powerfully at Hume Ridge over the last 137 odd years. He's this story after story of, of incredible ways that God has moved in and through people. And those stories are important and that heritage is important. And we stand on the shoulders of those people. But we can't live there. Amen? We must look forward. We must move forward. Just like my dad and my uncle, we've got to be careful not to dwell in the past. It would have been easy for them to hang around there and tell stories you know, for days and days and weeks. And those stories are important, but they knew it, that they had to keep going. It's imperative that we don't live in the past. It's imperative because we cannot live in the past. I want to show you a couple of images of, um, of some churches in Melbourne. Um, or one church I know is in Melbourne. I'm not sure where the other one is. Um, that that have, have done that, have lived so much in the past that they weren't looking at the, God's vision for their present and their future. And these churches were powerful churches in their day. But, you know, churches that stay in the past and hold on to what was and don't embrace what God has, some of them have turned into restaurants. Some of them have turned into libraries. Some of them have turned into cafes. And where people used to come to worship their God, where people used to come and hear the word of God preach, where they used to come experiencing the Holy Spirit, now they go for a coffee and they go for a meal with no intention and no thought of God. And churches throughout the world, we need to be aware of that. We don't want to be those sorts of churches. I guess as I think about this concept of glancing back, looking forward, and if you're looking for a title for this this message, I guess I'm calling it glancing back and looking forward, saying it is important to glance back, but we need to focus on the way forward. Um, There's a reason that the windscreen... Get this. There's a reason the windscreen of a car is a whole lot bigger than the rearview mirror. I've shared this before. The reason the windscreen of the car is bigger than the rearview mirror is because most of our time needs to be spent looking forward to what's coming up and glancing, just glancing at what's behind. It's important to check what's behind, but we need to look forward. Most of you know that um, I've spent some time um, about... Wow, it was around about 16 years in the fire service prior to going into ministry. And uh, I spent quite a bit of time in the road accident, on the uh, rescue. And uh, particularly in the later years, most of the times that there was, there was a, um, a time where a, a, a bumper, a car would drive into the back of another car, there were two main reasons that happened. The first one, you probably would guess straight away, is because somebody was looking out there at their phones. But the second one was most people were either, sorry, they were either looking at the phone or changing a radio station. That's one of the reasons. But the second reason was they were looking behind. They were looking in the rearview mirror and they didn't see the car in front of them stop and they ploughed in the back of them. You see, accidents can occur if we spend too much time looking behind us and not enough time looking ahead. 
It's important that we do that. And this same thing, we must understand, when you walk with Jesus, it's exactly the same. Jesus made it very clear when he talked to his followers about this whole idea of looking forward, of taking his hand and walking with him into the future. And he shares, I'm going to use the message, uh, the message translation, which, are, which is a paraphrase, Luke chapter 9 and verse 59. If you've got your Bibles with you, open that up and it'll be on the screen for you to read. Jesus says this. But this whole idea of looking forward and following him into the future, he says, Jesus says, follow me. And one of the guys with him says, but, but he said, certainly, but first excuse me for a couple of days, please. I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. But Jesus refused. He said, first things first. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Announce God's kingdom. And he goes on, then another says to him, I'm ready to follow you, master, but first excuse me while I, while I get things straightened out at home. And Jesus says, no procrastination. He says, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. Jesus makes it very clear to those whom he's calling. He says, don't get caught up looking behind. Let's move forward. Will you move forward with me? Will you take my hand and will you follow me? And follow me, the the context of follow me is moving forward. Jesus is saying, focus on this moment more than you focus on those that have been. And so our prayer is that God will continue to touch hearts and lives here at Hume Ridge and through the people of Hume Ridge out into the community. And I believe God wants us to glance back with fondness of what's been, but to look forward with anticipation. But to look forward with anticipation. Anticipation, that's that as I'm moving with Jesus, I'm ready. I'm expecting God to speak to me. I'm expecting God to call me. I'm expecting God to say, Murray, will you do this? Murray, will you move in this direction? Murray, will you go and speak to that person? Murray, will you embrace this? Murray, will you stop? And will you just worship me? Looking forward with anticipation. It's embracing and stepping out into our God-given future. It's living with one of the core values we talk about here at Hume Ridge. It's living with courageous faith. It's living with a faith that says, I trust you, Jesus, with my future. And I'm walking into that with you. I trust you, Jesus, with my life. I trust you, Jesus, with my church. I trust you, Jesus, with my family. I trust you, Jesus, with my future. I believe God's given Humorage a very clear purpose for the journey ahead, to be a people in passionate pursuit of Jesus. And you understand passionate pursuit is not standing idle, don't you? That phrase is, is exciting. It's not a sitting idle. It's a moving forward with God. And behind that vision is a mission that God gave the elders and the ministry team and us as a wider church. And that mission is together, together, Get that. That's unity. That's togetherness. That's setting aside our own individual ideas. That's setting aside our own individual, I think this, I'd prefer that, wouldn't, wouldn't we? Can I do? It's together. It's unity. Together, we know. We know. Revelation. We know the grace and truth of Jesus. We know Jesus. We don't just know him. We know him. And together we grow. What a beautiful picture. That together as a church community, we grow together, encouraging one another, affirming one another, cheering one another on. Together we know and we grow and we show. That's that element of serving. Together we show the grace and truth of Jesus. We let Jesus work through us in the way that we serve him with a servant towel over our arms. 
Together we know when we grow and we show and we share. The call on all Christians, not just human readers, is that we share the grace and truth of Jesus. Together, united, we're telling people and we're showing people about this love, this love that we have with the Saviour of the world. That's our mission. The faith journey and the purpose of this church is clearly stated by Jesus. It's clearly stated by Jesus. And if you look at Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, there's a passage that's referred to as the great suggestion. I'm not sure that it's referred to as the great suggestion. It's referred to as the great commission. So what I'm about to read is not something that Jesus says, hey, here's an idea. Give it a try if you think. It's not what he's saying. He said, the Great Commission says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you're planning on doing some sort of Bible study, Bible reflection this week, can I encourage you to take that passage and unpack it and ask two questions. God, what do you want me personally to do with this? And God, what do you want my church to do with this? How do I respond to that passage? How do I respond in that moment? So church, what's the way forward? If we're looking at moving forward, what's the way forward for you and for me? It's to go and make disciples. It's for you and I to go out into the world and share the love of Jesus. To seek and save the lost, those who don't yet know Jesus. And it's to baptise them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's to teach them everything we can teach them about Jesus. And it's for us to learn everything we can know about Jesus. And it's for us to live out everything we can about the light of Jesus in our lives. Churches, we can't sit back and look at what was. We can't stay in a place of celebrating what's been. We can't look at what's most comfortable for me and sit in that place and go, but this is really comfortable and this is really, we, I, I like this. It's about, God, what are you saying? Where do you want us to go? What, is, what, is, what does this look like for you? And then reaching out a hand and saying, Jesus, will you lead me into that? I'm reminded of, of Jesus' clear direction to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, he says, write down all the things you really love to do. Write down all the things that, that's really good for you and we'll do those. That's not what he says. In fact, Jesus says the exact opposite to that. He says, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. People say, oh, Jesus is teaching a wishy-washy. Oh, my goodness. What, is, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Give up your own way. Lay down your own desires. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Church, that's, that's exciting. It's challenging. It's scary. Can you imagine a church community that truly lives that out. You see, that, that passage right there is true Christianity. Give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross. 
Give up your own way. That means to die to yourself to follow Jesus. So that's when, when, when Jesus dies on the cross and he says, it is finished. It's true. It's finished. But then he looks to us and says, now, will you die to yourself to follow me? I've set the example. Now, he's not saying, he's not saying physically to do that. But he's saying of every need, every desire, everything that's of you, will you drop it so it becomes about me, Jesus, and not you, not you, Murray. It's a call to absolute surrender. That's, that's the faith journey, to absolute surrender. So I guess this morning we need to ask, what, what, Murray, what do, what, what do you need to surrender right now? Church, what do we need to surrender right now? And individually, what is it that I need to surrender? Jesus put it this way. He said, for whoever wants to save his life will, will lose it. But whoever, loves, whoever loses his life for me will save it. <clears throat> what good is it for a man or a woman to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? Some powerful teachings that the scriptures bring, but so important for us as a church community to engage to church community to embrace as we look at coming back to meeting together. So many churches that are talking about coming back. We've got to learn from, from COVID. We've got to learn from the part. What have we learned moving forward? We can't, a lot of churches are saying we can't just go back to doing the old thing because that's the way we've done it. We've got to learn. And I wonder whether Jesus has allowed this COVID pandemic. He's used it. I'm going to be very careful with my words. I'm not saying Jesus made COVID happen. I'm not saying that. But God never wastes a hurt. Amen. So maybe he's trying to teach us right now to say, well, okay, what do we do to reset to make sure we're going after the things that God's after and not going after things that make me feel comfortable? Church, we have to move forward. We have to be prepared to take up the cross. We must be prepared to surrender fully to Jesus and to follow him. We must seek to fulfill the call that Jesus has for you and for me, individually and as a church here at Humeridge. And the good news is each one of us is wired and created and made for this purpose. You all have different individual gifts and abilities that you can bring together as a church community that as we step forward into the future that God has, you have a role to play. God's wired you and fashioned you. He knew you before you were born and made you a certain way so that you can be used for him and for his glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27, Paul writes, this, writes it beautifully when he talks about this whole idea of unity. He says, now all of you together are Christ's body and each one of you is a separate and necessary part. Bring together, bring together unity. Bring what you have, bring the gifts and the passions that you have that we might be the church is calling us to be. Right through the New Testament, there's strong teaching around unity from Jesus, from the Apostle Paul. This whole idea of we are one body with many parts, all called to lean into Jesus to be the church he wants us to be in the future. When the early church embraces this commissioning of Jesus, people start using their spiritual gifts and their passion to serve God and to serve others to advance the kingdom. Just this week, I, um, I helped one of the ladies in this church who, um, who was asking me about spiritual gifts and, and I was able to point her to a, a spiritual gift assessment that we were planning to, to come back to. If you remember, just before COVID hit, we were talking about our shape. 
Um, and hopefully somewhere down the track the, the church will come back to that. But, but I, I helped this lady with a spiritual gift assessment. And she's now looking at those things. And some things didn't surprise her much. And she kind of said, that's kind of what I thought. And some things may have surprised her. But I said even this morning to her, let's talk about what that means moving forward. Not just what's happened in the past, but what that means moving forward. You see, when we start to grow in the things of God, when we link shoulder to shoulder or arm to arm in the things of God, when there's a unity around moving forward in the things of God, the church starts to grow exponentially. The church starts to be unstoppable. The vision and the mission for the church starts to grow in momentum and starts to roll. And it's not because of any one person or one couple. It's because of a move of God. It's because of courageous, faith-filled followers of Jesus who unite together in their future. However, even in the early church, there were leaders of organized religion who didn't understand. And they didn't, they didn't want to move away from the old way. And they, they wanted to stop Jesus' ministry because it was new and different and they weren't sure about what it meant. And so Pharisees, it was recorded, they had a meeting that was recorded in Acts chapter 5 about what to do. And there was an old Pharisee, Gamaliel, his name was, and he says this in Acts chapter 5 about this whole idea of, of being worried about moving forward. He says, Leave these men alone, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you won't be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourself fighting against God. So he says, Watch for the fruit of what comes out of their ministry. He's saying, don't get too worried about it. We've seen it all before. Churches come and go. If it's man-made, man-made, it'll come to nothing and it'll die. But if it's God, we need to jump on it and we need to be on board. And he's right. Gamaliel's right. If, if church is personality-driven or if it's all about a building or a venue or if it's all about the music or if it's all about past successes or if it's all about the way we've done things before, if it's all about human preference then we've got it wrong. You see, if Humeridge was only ever focused on Bruce's teaching or Dale's teaching or Marianne Kaz's leadership and teaching, or if it was only focused on Neil's pastoral care or Brendan's worship leading, then we've missed the boat. They're all important parts of who we are and who we've been. I'm not denying that. But it's greater than that. When it's not dependent on one person or one thing or one event, when it's not dependent on human ambition or effort, when it's a God thing, the move of God will be unstoppable in this church. When there's a move of the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything but jump on board. Have you ever surfed? I know, I know the, surf, the, the waves are a little bit further away from here, but, but it's, great. It's, great. it's great when you get to the surf. I, I love, don't do as much of it anymore, but I used to love surfing as a kid. And I don't know about you, but those of you, just... If, even if you're at home, who surfed before, hands nice and high? Even body surfed, yep, all right. So think about that moment, and if you haven't, just imagine yourself doing this, all right? You're, you're tanned, and you're there, and you're, you're ready to go. But imagine, imagine catching the perfect wave, you know, and you just paddle a bit, and the momentum of the wave picks you up, and all of a sudden, you're, just, you're, you're there, you're with me? You see yourself, and you, you're surfing this perfect wave, and you're doing all the big flips and things and all over the place. When you're moving with God, it's a little like that. It's a little like that. Because when God moves, it's like catching the perfect wave. Because it's not human energy that's churning the water. It's the Spirit of God creating something special and something that's unstoppable. 
And each of you carry Jesus' vision for this church in you and for your life in you. God has placed his vision for your life in you. And I believe God's given us the opportunity to connect with his spirit and for our lives to become contagious as we follow him and we follow his direction and we follow his calling and we get on the wave that he wants us to surf with him. And it's bigger than any individual and it's bigger than any couple. And the reason I can say with confidence is because Kaz and I haven't been part of, or haven't been the ones that have been driving anything. Dale and Wendy weren't driving anything. Bruce and Iris weren't driving anything. We've all sought God and said, God, will you drive? Will you be the wave in this church? Will you be the wave in this church? And the goal and desire that God would have is that we would ride, hit ride his wave in the direction he wants us to go. He wants people to be ready to live with courageous faith. He wants people to be ready to live with unswerving hope. He wants people to be ready to live with extravagant love by this love, by this way they will know you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. Image God planted this church 37 odd years ago, 137 years ago. And over the years, there have been faith filled men and women who've made significant, faith filled decisions to see the church move forward. You know the stories. And, church, I believe that this church is in another one of those significant moments right now. It's another time for more faith filled men and women to step into the fullness of God's calling, to step into the fullness of what's next, to step into the fullness of sacrifice and of faith, to see what God's going to do in the life of this church. It's time to become new wineskin for God to pour new wine into the new season that is Hume Ridge. And I believe God has given potential from heaven, potential from heaven to be lived out. And just like my trip back to Yarraville with my dad and my uncle, it was great to look back. It was great to reflect over past years. It was great to celebrate and to mark the moment and to reflect on the foundation that's been laid. But how many know that the best is yet to come? The best is yet to come. That's Jesus' promise for us. That's God's calling for us to move forward. So it's been a privilege for Kaz and I to serve with you over the past almost two years, 20 months. It's been an absolute honour for us to have led alongside some great leaders here at Humeridge. We have such a love for God and we have such a love for you, for this church. Yet as this door closes for us, it remains open for what God wants to do in and through each and every one of you here at Humeridge. And we know God's going to open another door for us, whatever that might look like. We don't know what that looks like at the moment, but we trust him. But the door of the future opens in every moment. There's opportunities for the future for this church. And they are exciting times. The vision for Hume Ridge is alive and as powerful as ever. I wonder if you'll be faith-filled, courageous people of God who'll step into that future together in unity. And it's our prayer for God's blessings over this wonderful community of faith-filled believers. The humage will flourish in and will be known as a people who are in passionate pursuit of Jesus. Let's pray.
Loving God, we just uh, want to thank you that you are a God who is alive today and calling us forward. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for every person who is listening to my voice right now, that we would be looking to you and saying, God, how can we do that together? How can I be a person in passionate pursuit of you? That Jesus, you might take control of my life. I pray these words would be words that would resonate with hearts and spirits. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.